And we are going to be continuing with this. So I'm so excited this morning, honestly. I was ready for, you know, worship team, sit down. I've got it. I'm ready to go. I've got to get it all out, you know. So, but I knew other things had to happen. But I'm so excited. And, you know, we've been talking about church as it is meant to be. As God meant it to be. As God desires it to be. Trying to discover God's design for his church. And discovering it particularly from the Acts of the Apostles. Of when the church was fresh and young. And didn't come under any cultural, any um, political, any um, denominational or any personal influence. It was just the Holy Spirit that was at work um, before we all messed it up. Okay, And we started throwing our oars in as human beings. And one of the things that stands out to me is that the early church was miracle embracing. Yes, miracle embracing. And when you're miracle embracing, it leads to miracle experiencing. And that's where we want to be. It's where I want to be in life as a church, miracle embracing. And you know, we've got to make it clear to you. When we, we're talking about the supernatural, we're talking about, you know, uh, the things of the Holy Spirit... It doesn't just happen here for an hour and a half on a Sunday. You've got to realise that. Yeah. Sometimes people would say, oh, we're not Pentecostal because we didn't have enough rooms in tongues in the service. We don't need that. We can have it, but we don't need that to say that we're embracing the miraculous. You know, it can happen in home groups. It can happen as you're praying for people. But we don't see the gifts of the Spirit. What about when our prayer team are praying for people? We're not making a spectacle of the things of the Spirit here in the church, but we're believing that as, as people are praying and ministering to people, the things of the Spirit are being ministered. In our home fellowship groups, we encourage for the things of the Spirit to be exercised and to be ministered. So if we're a miracle-embracing church, our goal is a miracle-experiencing church 24-7. A miracle-experiencing church. Now, in the early church... In those days, the miraculous was common amongst the, the believers and amongst the unbelievers. Because he says in this verse, and Peter says this to the crowd. He says, why are you surprised? Now he was talking to unbelievers as well as believers. The church was really early in those days. They were out on the street. And they said, why are you so surprised at these things? It was something that was common. They were familiar with it. And when you're familiar with it and you're accepting of it, free from the influences of skepticism, we become miracle experiencing. And so it was common. Why are you surprised? And, and let's be honest, some of us are surprised when miracles happen, aren't we? Yes, some of us are surprised. I'm surprised some of you got out of bed this morning. And that's a miracle in itself, isn't it? Okay, well, some, for some it is. But, and we're surprised at these things. But he said, well, why are you all surprised? You know, as you go through Acts of the Apostles, there is piles of verses, and here's some examples that are there for you. And, and sometimes, and I'll say a little bit about this in a moment, when it comes to speaking in tongues, we don't think it's a miracle. I think it's a miracle. God's behind it. You know, it, God, healings, it, it happened in the early church, and it happens today. And it can happen through you today. The sense of awe and wonder and amazement. It came in many occasions as something supernatural. 
It wasn't something that was worked up. It was something that was stirred and, and instilled in the people that were there. They were full of wonder. When it comes to prophecy, when it comes to visions, these things happened commonplace in the early church. And the culture, they were familiar with it. They were accepting of it. But as culture has developed, as church and denominations has developed, there has been influences that has influenced our attitude and our approach when it comes to the miraculous, particularly when it comes to experiencing it. Today's culture, today's culture is accepting of occult things. Of occult practices. Today's culture is accepting of, of these tarot cards. Of fortune tellers. Of, of mediums. Of Ouija boards. It's okay to do those things. It's a bit of fun. You might find out something. You might be able to get in touch with someone. Who, who has passed away. And it's okay. In the world. But when it comes to the church. Talking about the miraculous. We get mocked. We get mocked. People mock us when we talk about the miraculous. Listen, believer. Listen, whoever you are. When it comes to these tarot cards, Ouija boards, mediums, stay away from them. Stay away from them. You don't need them. They're from a dark place. They're from a dark one. They may seem something that is innocent. Stay away from them. We have a supernatural God who can help you. Who can guide you. Who can lead you. Stay away. Don't touch them. They are a deception. They have nothing to do with our divine holy God. Today some. And this is so sad. Some denominations. Some professing Christian denominations. Have influenced. Christians have influenced Christendom. To be sceptical. About miracles. The question. Did it really happen? Listen, God can do it. It can happen. My first real experience of skepticism in the church was I went to Ghana, spent some time in Ghana. And I was there with the guys, the, the leaders there. And, and the assistant pastor who insisted on carrying my Bible everywhere. And he followed around in my trail. I don't know what he was after, but I certainly didn't have a shadow that would impact him. And this assistant pastor just kept looking after me with this. And then he came in one day to one of the gatherings and he said that he had raised a child from the dead. The child had been sent home from the hospital because obviously that's the way. And the mother was carrying the child, the dead child in her arms on the bus. Making her way home. Wanted to go to the pastor. Confirmed dead. Sent home to be buried. This guy raised the child from the dead. And I came home back to England, back to the church um, and, and, and gave this story. First person who spoke to me, did you see the death certificate? They don't have death certificates out there. Well, they didn't then anyway. But that was the scepticism that I came across because there's been such an influence to question God's ability to do the supernatural, God's ability to do the miraculous. But you know the biggest obstacle that I find towards experiencing the miraculous is yourself. Because we get all of these things and we can say, no, that's a load of rubbish. I know God says this. But often when it comes to us experiencing, encountering the miraculous in our own lives, in the house of God, in, in our journey, wherever we are, the biggest obstacle is yourself. Myself. Because very often we only want a miracle when we need a miracle. 
And we're not really that interested in miracles being commonplace in our lives and in our church. And we only really stop and start to, to address the issue of miracle experiencing when we actually need a miracle. Whereas God has designed his church to be a miracle experiencing church whether you need a miracle or not. And you know when I look at it in the Bible, the church wasn't too busy trying to get miracles for themselves. They were pouring out miracles all around them. To the non-believers, they were pouring out miracles in touching people's lives. Often with the biggest obstacle. Because like you, you've probably asked God to do a miracle and it didn't happen. Very often that's what happens to us. We ask God to do a miracle. We believe God to do a miracle. We pray for a miracle. We get everybody we know praying for a miracle. And we don't get a miracle. Because of that disappointment, we no longer embrace the miraculous. We suddenly go, well, God didn't do it for me. God doesn't do it anymore. And so we hear the statements, even in the church, does God heal today? Does God really heal people today? You know, if God is willing to heal us, why do we need doctors? Why do Christians still go to doctors if God is so willing to heal us? I have prayed for people for healing and nothing's happened. They've gone back to their seat sick. Someone maybe died. They went home and died. They never died on the spot. Sometimes people die after you pray for them to be healed. If God heals today, if God heals today, why are there sick people in the church? Why are some of you sick today? If God heals today, and so often yourself and your experience influences your attitude towards experiencing the miraculous. Because what often happens You know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. That may well be true, but we're in a supernatural battle, aren't we? We don't have to allow hope deferred to make us sick. Can we not turn it around and allow allow hope that is deferred to actually increase our faith and determination to experience what God wants to put into our lives and experience what we know to be true of God? Because very often when we approach God, when we approach biblical teaching... About God, with disappointment in our hearts, it leads to doubt. When we come to the Bible and we see what the Bible says, but our personal experience says the opposite, we then end up doubting God. We end up you know, beginning to question, is this really true for today? We end up even more discouraged when we approach God with our doubts and our questioning and our disappointment and our sick heart. Can we approach God with the revelation that God has given to us of himself? We don't approach God with our personal experience. Can we approach God with what God has said about himself? With the revelation of the word of God. Not our personal experience. Not our disappointments. But what God has got to say about himself. And the Bible says that nothing... Absolutely nothing is impossible for God. 
that's what the Bible says. That's the revelation about God. So come to God knowing that your personal experience, the skepticism of churches and culture today may say the opposite. But listen, child of God, believer, it's what the word of God says that matters to us. And nothing is impossible for God. And God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. You know, I was, I was, and I was imagining some of you people who are sick getting healed today. Imagining it. I'm going, oh God. If that was to happen, if that was to happen. And then I started to visualize what would happen to the people that I know are sick getting healed and what they were to do. You know, it'd be amazing seeing some of you do cartwheels and somersaults. So if you feel too sick to do a summer wheel or a, oh, a summer wheel, a somersault or a cartwheel, listen, God might get you to do one today, you know, whether you're embarrassed or not. Listen, God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Let's come to God with the revelation that we have got from God. Isn't this true? In theory, healthy food makes for a healthy body. Yes? In practice, none of us just eat healthy food. Is that true? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Healthy spiritual food gives you a healthy spiritual faith. Healthy spiritual food gives you healthy spiritual faith. If you feed yourself with the unhealthy spiritual lies and deceptions of the enemy and the twisting of the truth, then you're not going to have a healthy faith. But good spiritual healthy food, and it may be simple. Nothing's impossible for God. God can do all things. God hears your prayers. God's very wise. God can do amazing. Feed your faith with good, healthy, spiritual food. Now when it comes to us, as a local church, Dudley Community Church, we are most certainly miracle embracing. We are definitely got it when it comes to what the early church were. They were a miracle embracing church. We've got that. That's what we are. Nobody here, I hope nobody here is going to say, no, I don't believe miracles happen. But we do. We're a miracle embracing church. But this is where we, we need to take another step to becoming a miracle experiencing church. We believe it can happen. We ask for it to happen. But it's getting to that place, taking that step of actually experiencing, seeing the miraculous happening in our midst, in our lives, 24-7. Where are the miracles today? Just thinking about this. Why are we not seeing miracles? Could it be, this is my thinking, could it be that if we're faithful in the little, when it comes to the miraculous, we'll experience the greater? Could it be something like that? If we are faithful in the little that we are familiar with, God might trust us with the greater that we are not familiar with. We're familiar with tongues. If you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, God will give you a heavenly tongue. To worship him, to pray to him. That's a miracle. It really is a miracle. Don't deny it. Don't devalue it. When it comes to prophesying. 
Now, sometimes when we think prophesying, we think it's somebody with a big long beard standing in front of them. Thus saith the Lord unto the... It's not. People prophesy in home groups. People prophesy to people when they're praying to them and ministering to them. They're speaking forth the heart of God. That, that's a prophesying. They're speaking forth what God is wanting to say and wanting to speak into people's lives. When it comes to visions, people receive something from God. And, and I know it sounds, to me it sounds peculiar when people stand up in church and say, I've got a picture. I've got a picture of Barrow on my wall. And I don't think sometimes non-believers come amongst us and they hear that, you know. It, it sounds a bit funny to me anyway. I know, you know, but I know what they're doing. And, and we know what they're doing. You know, when they say they've got this image that, this, that God has impressed upon them. Now, if these are from God, they're miracles. Now, they're miracles that we're familiar with, and we sometimes may well belittle them. I don't think we should. I think we should see these are things that we're familiar with and, and value them. And when people are ministering in the Holy Spirit and, and bringing something from God, your phone shouldn't really be switched on at all. Playing games, and, and it shouldn't happen. Talking to the person next to you when the minute the Spirit is ministering. Is that really a good way to value the things of the Spirit? Is that being faithful in the lip? Going to the toilet when God is speaking? You know, is that really valuing what, what God is trying to put into the place? If we can value and we can be faithful in what we consider the little familiar things, they're still miraculous, maybe though then God will, will trust, her with, trust us with greater things. He will trust us with the things that we long for, the, the, the miracles, the, the unimaginable things actually happen in our lives, if we can have the same reverence for what we think is. That's just me thinking. Yeah. That's just me thinking. But I know one absolute thing in the Bible that is an obstacle to the miraculous in the body of Christ. One thing that the Bible so clearly shows to us that is an obstacle and a blockage to this church. And it's in 1 Corinthians 1 or sorry, 1 Corinthians 13. Now we all think 1 Corinthians 13, oh that's the wedding passage. Love is patient, love is kind, love is enduring. Love is... Read it, read the first few verses. Paul says this, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I do not have love. These miracles are just a noisy gong, cymbal. They're not really anything. There's no tune to them even. They're just a gong. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but don't have love, I have nothing. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? I think that's pretty clear. The biggest obstacle to us experiencing the miraculous is perhaps ourselves. Perhaps ourselves. Do we need to examine our own hearts, our spirits, our attitudes, our walk, our behaviour with God? If we don't have love, we've got nothing. We can see the miraculous and experience the miraculous, but without love, we have nothing. You know, there's four different words that are used in the New Testament when it comes to the miraculous. And if I could sum them up in this way, I don't know if you can see those, but and some of the words are Greek. That's not tongues. But it's there and you can download it from the church website if you want to open it up more. 
Signs and wonders make people wonder. That's what they're there for. They're called miracles. Sometimes when you see the word wonder, see sign, we're talking about a wonder, a miracle. Signs and wonders make people wonder. Who's behind that? Mighty works confirm it's almighty God who is at work. That's what they're for. Signs and wonders make people wonder. Can you imagine ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit and people going, whoa, they must be a medium. Because that's what the world's familiar with. But we can say no. They're wondering who it is, what it is. No, this is God. No, this is God. Miracles are there to glorify God. That's the only reason we have miracles in the church today. So God gets the honour, the glory. Not that anybody becomes a superstar in the church. It's God who should be getting the glory. Messages are there to authenticate, or sorry, miracles give authenticity to the miracle giver. They show that God is behind all of this. Miracles are to meet human needs. But you don't see when it comes to miracles. And this happens. We're often, you know, attracted to the spectacular. We're often drawn to the spectacular, to the supernatural. And I think it's part of our spiritual makeup that God has made within mankind. That there is a drawing to something supernatural. And that's why people flock to the mediums and to the spiritualists. Because there's a drawing within us. And you know, very often it can happen in the church that we're drawn to the spectacular and we think, wow, I'm going to go for that. Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, he looked and he seen the apostles filling people with the Holy Spirit and he said, whoa, I'll have some of that. How much do you want? Of course, you can't buy the supernatural. You can't give an offering to gain the supernatural in your life. No matter how many promises you get, You can't give an offering on TV to get a supernatural miracle. You see, when we're only attracted to the supernatural or to the spectacular, when when our our drawing is, oh, did you see what happened there? I'm going to go and see this. When we're only drawn to the spectacular of the supernatural, we're no different to Simon the Sorcerer. He was drawn to the spectacular because it was spectacular. We're no different to the ungodly people who pursue the spiritualist because it's spectacular. We've got to be drawn to God. We've got to be drawn to the God behind the spectacular. We've got to be drawn to the God of the supernatural. We've got to remain in our journey God chasers, not miracle chasers. We want to be God chasers, not miracle chasers. And how often has that happened in the history of the church? A miracle has happened and everybody flocks to it. And in some places, there's a biblical practice there that God is using it to draw the sinners. But very often, it's just the Christians (coughs) chasing after the miracles and the spectacular. You know, nowhere in Acts do I see believers chasing after miracles. Because the miracles were being performed through them. Non-believers came because of the miracles 
They called them signs. They seen these things. They wondered. They found out that it was God. It was a divine seal that God is with these people. His presence, his power was so evident. But here's something so important. You know, it's Acts 2 and verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Awe precedes the miraculous. That's it there in the Bible. Awe, the sense of, whoa, this is God. Whoa, that person's speaking in tongues. Whoa, I'm speaking in tongues. The miraculous is happening through me, in me. Awe preceded the miraculous. Repeatedly as you look through the Old Testament, you see that they stood in wonder, in amazement, in awe, in adoration of God. Occasionally they just open their eyes and they'd look at a tree, they'd look at a mountain, and they'd look at a field and they go, wow, what a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. You see, in the early church, I don't see people asking for a sign before they would obey. I don't see them asking for a miracle before they would obey. And her off, I don't know, I've done it. God, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. God, just do this one wee thing for me, and you'll have me for the rest of my life. How often have we done that? I've tried to bargain with God. I don't see them asking for a sign, for a wonder, for a miracle before they would obey. They obeyed and signs followed. Wonders followed. We've got to be careful. We don't let the enemy reverse the truth of the word of God. If the truth of the word of God is obey and be blessed. We can't let the enemy twist that around. That if I do this, then God will do this. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't have to prove himself to us. God is God. He's given us enough revelation in the word of God to know that he can do anything he wants. Enough revelation in the word of God that disciples follow Jesus. They obey Jesus. And as Jesus said to the unbelievers, and I think there's a lesson for us today. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told them. You will never believe. Chase God. Chase the supernatural God. Not the spectacular of the supernatural. The the Bible approach to the miraculous. To me is trust and obey. There is no other way. Believe and have faith in God. So in the early churches. They embraced. And they experienced. The miraculous. And I think it's clear. Miracles followed faithfulness. Miracles followed faithfulness. Acts 1 and verse 8. Verse we all know the Holy Spirit came down in power. But what it's saying to us there is. They stayed until the power came. Because Jesus told them to stay. They obeyed. Then the power came. They were faithful. Then the power came. They faithfully preached the gospel because Jesus told them and signs and wonders they followed. The signs and wonders they just kept happening because they were going out.
to preach the gospel, not to perform signs and wonders. They didn't go out into the temple and look for a blind man begging. They didn't do that. It happened because they faithfully committed to the mission that God had given to them. In Acts chapter 5, and verse 15, speaks there of the courage, of the boldness of the people to commit the fellowship under persecution, to commit to preaching the gospel under persecution. And it says this in verse 15, as a result, wonders, miracles began to take place consequence of their faithfulness was signs was wonders was miracles also jealousy and persecution came their way as well for being miraculous you see when the apostles when the early church was confronted with what the natural order of God's creation could not deal with they turned to the supernatural power of God when they confronted issues they could not resolve, they could not deal with, they turned to the supernatural power of God. God can and God does heal any illness. Nothing that God cannot do. But perhaps God has not healed you of your cold, of your toothache, because he's made it possible for you to be healed in another way there are other methods that God has introduced that we might experience his healing because often we think when it comes to healing somebody lays a hand on me prays for me and boom I'm healed but listen God is the author of healing I'm going to give you three ways that God heals people today I know we all want the spectacular and we all want the last one, the supernatural. But God has allowed and God has ordained spontaneous healing. God has created a natural order in creation. He has pre-programmed our bodies with the capacity to heal themselves. Why don't you go home this afternoon and just get a knife and just... No, don't do that. I'm only joking. But when you cut yourself, what happens? The blood begins to congeal, doesn't it? And eventually it begins to knit together. Obviously it's not too deep. But your body is designed and ordained to spontaneously heal. Your white cells will fight the bad cells. Because God has preordained your immune system to be able to fight back so as to aid healing. And to me, spontaneous healing proves the amazing power of God in the way that he created you. Yes. He's created you in such a perfect way. You know, helophemiacs, is that the right word, is it? People who can't stop bleeding? See, that's not the right order, is it? I know it's sad and it's wrong, but... It's not how God designed. That's an illness. That's a sickness. That's out of order. But the, the order that God has designed is that we heal spontaneously. Now, not everything gets healed spontaneously. And so we need the supernatural power of God. What about stimulated healing? 
When you go to the doctor, they give you medicine. When your leg falls off, you go to hospital and they operate. God has given the ability to mankind to be able to bring about that kind of healing. It is not a sin to take medicine. The Apostle Paul took wine or advised Timothy to take wine for his stomach. He wore glasses if they had glasses, but he had bad eyesight. And he needed help with that bad eyesight. God didn't heal it. So there's stimulated healing. It is not a sin to take medicine. It is not a sin to go to the doctors. And we shouldn't beat ourselves up if we do. But then sometimes we are faced with issues that the natural order that God has preordained cannot heal. People who are blind, people who are lame, people who are deaf, many other kinds of illnesses that there is no cure for. And so sometimes when we were confronted with illnesses that our bodies can't resolve, that medication can't resolve, we can turn to the supernatural God. And you know, the early church, they embraced and they experienced the miraculous. Because when confronted with what they could not do, God was able. They acknowledged, they seen, they believed that God was able. Because nothing is impossible for God. They exercised faith. They came to God. And miracles began to happen. Miracles began to take place. And you know what? I know that people in this room need a miracle today. Maybe a big one, maybe a little one, still a miracle. Because if you can't be spontaneously healed, and if you can't be healed through the stimulation of doctors, you're in a situation where you need a miracle. And you know what? I think God's sometimes gracious. You don't always have to wait for the medicine. And he can still heal still intervene and do a miracle. We are a miracle embracing church. Are we a miracle experiencing church? We don't want the culture. We don't want disappointment. We don't want sick hearts to rob us of experiencing the miraculous. But God can intervene when the medicine doesn't work. When the body can't fix it. God can intervene today and do the supernatural, do the miraculous. Maybe your miracle is you need to start speaking in tongues. Put aside all of these questions, doubts, all of these influences, let God release you. Your miracle may be body, your miracle may be your mind, but I know this, we can move from being embracing of miracles to experiencing miracles. When I look at the, the healings in Scripture, there's these four things that happened. When I see a miracle in Scripture, that they recognized their need. They recognized they had a need. They recognized God is able to meet that need. Just think about the stories you know. They knew they had a need. It was obvious they had a need. 
They recognised that God was able to meet that need. They either pushed through and touched the hem of his garment. They shouted from the roadsides. They took rooftops off. Because they knew that God, Jesus, could meet that need. And they asked them to do something about it. Because there was lots of people that didn't ask Jesus. They just carried on with their sickness. They asked God to do something about it. And then it happened because of faith in God. They asked God to do the miracle. So prayer team, you can come and join me this morning. No. I'm going to ask Joe, you can come and just play for us. Nice. We're not being spectacular, you know, once we've got ourselves sorted out, you can go home. I don't think there's any coffee or anything like that. But, you know, if you want to meet with God, you want to experience with God, seize the moment, seize the opportunity. Amen? And believe this could be the day. If it's not this day, it'll be another day. But why not today? Why not this moment? So I'm going to pray and then you can come forward and then if you've got to go, you've got to go. You can stay and just enjoy God's presence. Okay? So Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Father, we believe we want to experience it. We want to receive it. Father, we just pray for each person right now who's looking for a miracle. Today will be their day of miracles. Today will be their day of intervention. Touch their bodies, touch their minds, and they will be released, Lord, because you have met their needs. They have encountered you. In Jesus' precious name, we ask. Amen.